Hello and welcome to the Movie Chef podcast where we make a meal out of movies. I'm your host Tebs and every episode a guest and I will put together a menu of movies from a particular genre, icon or era for your listening pleasure. Here today is one of my friends from the wrestling world, he's the host of the Neutral Wrestling podcast, it's the man who once said that he's not interested in seeing Central Park because it's just another big park, it's Daniel, how are you doing Daniel? <laughs> how are you doing Teb, you alright? <laughs> well, it seems like ages since we've spoke, hasn't it? At least 24 hours. And I feel like I'm speaking to you all the time at the moment. One o'clock well, the... in the morning last night talking about obscure wrestling matches. I bet you love that. Uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be putting them on today. I'll be putting them on today. Me and da- Daniel's very uh, kindly brought me on as a guest of the uh, Neutral Wrestling Podcast, which you can find from all good podcast locations. Um, we talk everything about men in Lycra, play fighting, and uh, we do love it, don't we? We enjoy we enjoy that uh, part of our lives. But what? Um, so in terms of films, it's a bit of a new one talking to you about films. And what's what? What's your go-to? Then I ask every. I'm going to ask everybody these. What's what's your favourite film? What would you consider to be your favourite film? Um, I'd say favourite film. If I'm thinking, I've just met a bird, got a, a girl. Sorry, we've just got a film. What film would I choose? If I, you've got to watch that. Um, I'd say Blood Di- Blood Diamond for me. Um, because yep. I don't know, some of the girls that I've been with probably wouldn't really get In Bruges, which is probably my personal go-to film. In Bruges so, is fantastic. Oh, I love it. Love it. In Bruges. But uh, Blood Diamond's good as well. Blood Diamond's absolutely solid. I think you were taken aback when I texted you the fact that uh, Jennifer Connelly's tears at the end were computer generated. Yeah, I know. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> she wasn't doing proper acting. How dare she? But um, If I, I could cry that. over that scene, I'm sure she could. <laughs> and what about your favourite genre then? I mean, there's a couple of different ones there. What What's your, you know, on a Sunday afternoon, raining outside, what would be your go-to sort of pick for, for the type of film you stick on? Well, you asked me this, right, when we were first speaking about me being on this podcast, and I was thinking, what actually is my genre? Because, as you know, I don't like superhero films, don't really like comedy films, but I don't, I wouldn't say I have, like, a, a type of film where I'd be like, oh, I'll go and see that, it's this sort of film. And I was sat there the other day, and there was, I can't think what film I was watching, probably one of these, and I thought, is this a true story? And I thought, it's not. And then I was thinking, that's it. My type of film is where it comes up, usually at the start, I can get into a film more if it comes up at the start saying based on real life events or based on a true story. Say if it comes up at the start of the film and it'll be like based on the novel by such a buddy, I might not be as interested as I would be if it was a true story. So it's more, yeah, so the the biographies, the stuff you know has actually happened and and has been put down there and you can go back and relive what's actually happened, something with a bit more substance to it, some more truth in history rather than just... Yes, um, so I watched a film um, about, it was about uh, the government contaminating the waters that's just been, I can't think what it's called, I went to go and dark, see it at the cinema. Dark, dark Waters, I think, with Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, Dark Waters, and straight away, as soon as I seen that advertised in the trailers months back, I was like, I'm definitely going to go and see that one. So yeah, based on true events, I don't even know if it's not, it's not a type of genre, I'm guessing, but... No, no, it's, it's historical, factual, biopic, whatever you want to put there. But no, it's, it's very much in a genre. It's whatever you're into, and it's just good to get an idea of what you fancy. Uh, favourite actor, favourite actress? We're, we're trying to be gender neutral here, but favourite actor? It would be if Denzel or Clint Eastwood are in a film, then I'm probably going to go and watch it. So yeah, You can't go wrong. Have you seen... I think my favourite Eastwood would be Gran Torino. It's... 
just something else that film. It's um, yeah, he's got the little Chinese fellow working for him, the little little lad. Yeah, the the, the Asian lad sort of coming in who's going to steal his car, and I just it, rather than the sort of the the shootouts, and I think like you, you know, you prefer something a bit more sort of drama, a bit more sort of. I know Gran Torino probably wasn't based on too much real life events, but to have something that's based more on sort of characters and how they interact with each other rather than just shooting everybody to death, it, it does make a nice change once in a while. It does. You, you say that, but I'm thinking, I'm thinking, what is my favourite Clint Eastwood film? And I'm thinking A Fistful of Dollars, <laughs> which yeah, is obviously true. like a shootout sort of thing. It's with with the Clint Eastwood films. It's just a Aya, wom, wom, wom. Yeah, that, uh, good, the bad, and Gets the ugly. Every time. Oh yeah, fantastic, absolutely fantastic. The guys, the guys, he's going to go forever. I think, absolutely. Yeah. Denzel as well, great choice. I think we're going to look at doing one for uh, Denzel. Um, oh. Not too distant future. So His performance in is it Fences that he did? Um, Fences, yeah. I didn't think it was the best film, but there's like a ten minute scene where he's going mad at his son. And I just thought, oh, this is brilliant. The film itself, I don't think, was as good as I was hoping for. But one of the scenes in it, I was just like, wow. I was talking to somebody the other day about that. Films where there's been a fantastic scene or a fantastic performance in it. And the rest of the film was absolute garbage. But um, I digress. Denzel Washington, for me, Training Day. All day long, the guy is an absolute force of nature in Training Day. I was just in shock the first time I watched it. I thought that was incredible. So I think, yeah, I think Denzel's going to be coming, coming as a as a theme once we get uh, up and running. So each episode will put together a four core cinematic tasting sensation with one common theme. Uh, there will be a starter or an appetizer, a film you think is a great introduction to the category, a fish course which may be of the aquatic variety, but it may be something that you think stinks like a week old trout. And then the main course, your star of the show, the movie you think is the best of the best. And then the pudding or the dessert. This is your indulgence, your sweet treat. What do you go to for comfort and indulgence? Um, this week, we did take a Twitter poll a couple of weeks back. And for this episode, we're going to be looking at British movies. So relax, pour yourself a drink and enjoy. Mon cher mademoiselle, it is with deepest pride and greatest pleasure that we proudly present your dinner. Starters then, for British films, our starters, what are we going to introduce to you as what we think are uh, typical British films? What's something that we can put in front of you that shows off the British culture and the British eccentricity to its tea? So I've chosen to present to you a, a nice servant of Life of Brian, uh, the 1970s Monty Python comedy film. What are you serving up today for your starter? I am serving up Mike Bassey, England <laughs> manager. Right, okay. So that's quite interesting. There's two comedy films there that are very different times. So let's start with you. So Mike Bassey, that's 2001, uh, the Ricky Tomlinson film. Uh, if you've not seen it, it's uh, a docudrama, a, a, a drama, whatever you want to call it. It's one of these spoof documentaries where... The England football team, or soccer, if you're saying it wrong, uh, the manager of the England team has a heart attack. And in true style of the English media and the English football culture, no bugger wants to take over the job until they find Mike Bassett, the bearded, do you think he's Sam, Ad Sam Allardyce? Do you think, who do you think he's, who do you think he's been formed after? Very loud, very boisterous, very swearing, does things his own way, and he, and he wants to move the England team forward in his own vision. Who, who do you think he's, I mean, you're a massive football fan. Who do you think he's been uh, modelled after? 
Tough one. Maybe, yeah. There is going to be someone obvious. I was thinking maybe like a Brian Clough or something, but maybe not as hard as that. Sam Allardyce sort of like came to prominence a bit after the film yeah. was made, but that is a good point. I'm not actually sure who it would have been uh, based on, but oh, it, it, I, I just I love him. I love Ricky Tomlinson, big royal family fan. So he's great. Isn't it? He's absolutely great. And it, and in this, he kind of it, it is his film in this in the style of the old sort of like Saturday Night Live in America when those comedy stars broke out with their character into a film. He's done this himself. And I remember watching this, and I, I know some people who actually like football that didn't appreciate it, but um, it, it was just, this is a spoof film, if anything. It's it's taking the piss out of English football. Everything from people not wanting the job um, to the hand of, got spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, but uh, to the hand of God goal at the end, you've got uh, him stripping off and you've got the Gazza trying. <laughs> yeah, and it's it, it was it's absolutely cracking film. I mean, did you see it at the time? Have you seen it since? What When did you first watch it? I saw it. I saw I would have been, and it did come out in 2000, 2001, so I would have been 10 at the time. And I remember Jesus thinking, I, I, was, I couldn't go to the cinema to watch it, but my mum was a big royal family fan. I thought, they're going to let me watch it, aren't they? God, it's, I'm like a diehard football fan. Now, I remember being sat in a swimming pool in, right. I want to say, Lanzarote in a swimming pool, and it was about March time. And you know, like, back in the day, you get the DVDs with the films, and inside them, they'd have, like, a little leaflet with all the other films that were coming out and yep. what months they were coming out. And I don't know why I would have had this. I think I used to, be a, I used to take DVDs on holiday, put them in my little portable DVD player and sit inside the entire entire holiday and not speak to anyone. Um, so yeah, like so a I, good holiday to me. <laughs> so I had one of these in mind. I remember looking for kids. Oh, that DVD cover is beautiful. It's got about four heads of uh, Ricky Tomlinson on. I'm going to have to watch it. going to have to watch it. Um, so, yeah, as soon as it came out, I would have bought it, watched it, and it was sort of like... Back in the day, I remember it was like, I'd be sat there with my laptop, back when laptops, Macs, were good enough to have DVD players without you having to, like, buy one to plug into. So I used to shove the DVD in, must have watched it about ten times. Um, but yeah, so that would have been, I watched it as a ten-year-old, I know it's a fifteen, but, yeah. <laughs> I'm just more I'm just more uh, appalled at the fact that you were 10 back then. That was absolutely disgusting. I was just going to university at the time. Oh. I was just getting ready to go to university. I was I was that optimistic about the world that I thought further education would help me in further life, but obviously that's another story but for another day. What um few little cameos. Do you read IMDb? Do you have a look at IMDb about films? I mean, are you that much of a geek like me or do you just sort of watch them and enjoy them? Oh yeah, I, every film that I ever watch Usually I check what score only only for the score to check what score it gets and think yeah fuck did it get that number? But, <laughs> am I allowed to swear on this or not? Yeah, I swear away, go for it. I'll do whatever the fuck you want. Um, the um, I'm just looking here. The Atomic Kitten because obviously there's a song for the uh, for the England World Cup campaign. The Atomic Kitten were doing one of the songs and apparently Lily Allen had uncredited uh, vocals on that. She gets everywhere. Bradley Walsh obviously played quite a prominent role in the film. Uh, better known to us as uh, the chaser, but he was even doing acting back then. I was, I was quite surprised when I saw Bradley Walsh, and I think he's one of the, I think he was one of the funniest things in this to me. I'll be totally honest. I think he was uh, one of the funniest parts of it. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah. Where well, he agrees with everything, it did make me laugh. I didn't really recognise any. Apparently, all the rest of the team were from the Sky One TV show Dream Team, 
and I never really watched that. I, that kind of passed me by. You know the oh, Harchester United. Oh, yes. I used to love Dream Team. Yeah, you're right. They were basically footballers' wives without the sex and drugs. It was just boring, but uh, footballers' wives were fantastic as well. But that's another story. Um, so for me, Life of Brian. Um, I, this is up there with me as one of my top five favourite films of all time. It is, for me, it's absolutely outstanding. If you're going to sort of show off British eccentricity and the uniqueness of our sense of humour to laugh at ourselves, laugh at other people, I think it's fantastic. Do you, have you watched much Python? Is Monty Python a, a thing of yours? Is it? Uh, Never heard of him. Nah? <laughs> okay. Monty Python are a group. Uh, John Cleese, Eric Idle, Graham Chapman, oh god, Terry Jones, Terry Gilliam, and if I've forgotten anyone, I do apologise. Michael Palin. Um, they all met, you know, at university, started one of these uh, acting groups, and became a, a group of comedians. And their stuff is—I mean, I'll ask you a minute about Life of Private, but their stuff is is surreal. It, you know, it, it can be very sort of offbeat, and if you're not quite sure what you're what you're waiting for, you're not you're not going to know what's going to come. Uh, and the li- life of Brian for me is the more um, straightforward story of any film that they've done. Um, they did one, um, the Holy Grail, which, you know, it was a bit, it was crazier than this, to be honest, but if it can be, and a couple of other stuff, the other films didn't really have sort of linear narratives in them. Um, but life of Brian for me is, it is just classic joke after classic joke. And it's, uh, again, it's a parody. It's taking on the life of Jesus Christ. Um, it's not saying Brian is Christ, but it's saying what would happen if somebody was claimed to be the Messiah who wasn't actually the Messiah. What if a mistake was made? Um, the original title for this was supposed to be Jesus Christ Lust for Power. And I think that just shows what kind of uh, attitude they had when making this. What What did you take from this? So if you've never... You never watched Monty Python. You never seen Life of Brian before. What were your first thoughts on this? What What did you think? I was sat. My first thought, honestly, when I said it was, my mum would have been seven when this film came out. Um, <laughs> but yes, yeah, so I was. Sat, I do I was sat there. And it, to be honest with you, it's the whole thing like the British, um, the British TV from like the seventies, eighties is yeah. something as a kid that was always on at like my grandparents' house and stuff. And I'd be fighting for the channel to be changed, obviously. You know, it would be... So I was sat there and it, it honestly reminded me of, like, not the carry-on films, but do you know what I mean? That sort of that sort of era. Yeah. But for me, this was like... I, I do, I'm not a fan of, like, comedy films, which is pretty silly considering I've chose two comedy films. But I'd say I'm more of a fan of comedy comedy films for thick people. Um. So, yeah, it would... I, I, like we said at the start, so you were saying that um, some films you, you might not like, but you, there's some great scenes in it. Like I messaged you saying I love the scene um, where he's haggling at the market. Yeah. So that just summed up British market, any type of markets, but especially British markets. Um, it, it sort was, of put me off yeah. with the spaceship scene. Um, yeah, you text me about that. And this, this spaceship scene... Um, <sighs> I've never been able to explain that. I've read plenty on the film, but for me, it was one of those. I, I know there's the sort of uh, the story that Jesus might have come from space, and they were they were taking the Mickey out of that as well. Um, for me, the spaceship thing has always been one of those. You know, it's like it's a way for him to get from the top of the tower to the bottom of the tower, and it's just there, obscene, excuse me, um, off kilter sort of crazy type of comedy, which they think 
well, we might as well throw a spaceship in there at the minute. In terms of the jokes that absolutely land, you, the the haggling. It, I love this film so much, obviously because it's hilarious to me. But um, I used to watch it with my dad before he left, and it was me and him used to sit and watch this, and it it was he would roar with laughter, absolutely roar with laughter, and I I, I just started picking up each one, and we started sort of quoting each of the terms to me. So I probably watched this film for the first time about you know, late 80s, early 90s. And then it wasn't until after then when I started to really appreciate it. But the haggling, absolutely brilliant. I mean, the entire sort of... uh, You know what, sorry, I could sit and quote lines from it all day, every day. But look, if you've had a chance to watch it, you know, you found some of it funny, fair enough. If you didn't take up from it, that's great. But if you haven't seen Life of Brian out there and you like your humour, wacky and surreal, and you never know which joke's going to come from where, give Life of Brian a watch, it'll... Can I ask you a question about it? Please. So, the Always Look on the Bright Side of Life song, yeah? Yeah. That comes on at the end. It, was that, like, for this film? Was it or was it yeah. written... Be- was it for this film that song came out? For this film, written by er- Eric I- Idle, who was the... It was one of the ones on the crosses who start. You know where he says, cheer up, Brian, and he, he's the one who starts the song. Yeah. He wrote it, and he performed a lot of the Pythons music. And wrote a lot of their songs. They're very musical in a lot of the, 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 the stuff they do. This whole album's been released of the music they've wrote. Um, always look on the bright side of life. Again, it's that, it's that moment of how do you end, end a film with a guy being crucified on a, on a brighter note? How do you, how do you end your film on a smile? How do you send the audience away happy? Well, the old showbiz tune of you finish on a song. Uh, and I just, again, it's the absolute, um, the balls of it, where you're sacrificing Jesus or a Jesus type person, and you finish on a song of always look on the bright side of life. I just think it's fantastic. I think it's genius. Um, How many people was John Cleese playing? Oh God, I, I couldn't tell you. Could not tell you. I can I have was, a guess. Bruce. I was trying to keep count. And why was why was why was a guy playing his mum? They always do that. Right. They, always, they didn't have they didn't have a woman in their group. They had, oh God, I'm going to go to hell for this, but I can't remember the name of the lady's name that was working with them at one point. Um, there, there was a woman that used to work with the group on some bits of it, but a lot of the stuff they did, they just dressed up as women, and they were just the women in their in their um, scenes and their comedy skits. Um, that was Terry Jones who was dressed up as mummy. Sad, sadly, passed away recently. Um, I'm trying to think who else was in it that. Uh, you know, um, one of the ways this film actually came around was it was they were struggling for funding, obviously back in the 70s, and you're going to make a film about Jesus, a comedy film. Nobody wanted to touch it. It was actually funded majoritarily by um, George from um, The Beatles. Oh, come on, what's his fucking surname? George the, Harrison. It? George Harrison. The Beatles. How am I doing you off? They're a young, young up-and-coming band. They're... Uh, <laughs> Check your HMV out for their records. No, but and George Harrison was in the film and he actually part funded it because he, he used to recognise what Python can do and uh, if you keep an eye out, you can see him in one of the scenes. But no, look, absolutely fantastic film. I absolutely love it. Um, Mike Bassett as well, great on different counts. Um, if you're into your comedy films and you want to see what British comedy can do, tune into one of these. And the co-pilot had fish. What did the navigator have? He had fish. All right. Now we know what we're up against.
Our fish course. Now, I've left this kind of open, so you can take it in a couple of different ways. It could be something that stinks like a fish. Some people might like fish, that's up to you. But it could be something that stinks, that's a film that really gets in the back of your throat. And you might want to serve this up and you might just want to have a rant on a film for a while. Or like I said at the beginning, it might be something a bit more marine-like. It might be one of those, uh, might be a film based on the sea, like or very much based on a fish. Big fish, for example. Um, I've taken it a bit of a different way. We've taken it in two different ways uh, this week. I am serving up A Fish Called Wanda. Now, again, I'm going with John Cleese in a comedy film, but there's a reason for this. Um, what are you serving up as your fish film? I am serving up the, what was it, 2017, was it? 2017, 2018? 2018, yeah. Of remake of Tomb Raider, which right. I absolutely hated. Okay, we'll go, I'll just quickly rant a little bit about Fish Called Wanda. Well, I'm not going to rant because I love it, but I'll just tell you a little bit about Fish Called Wanda because I really want to talk about Tomb Raider with you. So, Fish Called Wanda, yeah, we've we've already touched on. This was John Cleese getting out on his own, um, writing and partially directing, though he didn't get a credit. Um, it was more sort of co-American. It was having to be a bit more sort of, you know, looser type of comedy to be able to attract an American audience as well. What were your thoughts on this? This was sort of 80s British comedy. What was your take on this? I I, pref- I preferred it to The Secret Life of Brian. I, I did. <laughs> I thought it was quirky. Um, yeah. There was parts of it that I enjoyed. I say I'm not a fan really of like 80s British comedy, but I did think this was pretty good. Like there's some good see good scenes. I was watching it though the first couple of minutes, and I was like, did he just feel his sister's breasts? I like, <laughs> did I just see that? And that yeah. sort of like. Got me thinking, what is this film? But I don't know. I, there was some. I enjoyed the bit at the end with um, where he was on. What was he on? Like a tractor, where he's like about to mow the guy down that's stuck in the cement. Yeah, he's on yeah, the, uh, the the flatner or whatever. Kevin Klein, and you know, um, again, look, I'm just saying this. Spoilers alert for all these films. We'll, we might end up talking about the endings. If you ruin, a, if I ruin a film for you that is, you know, 30 years old, then you should have seen it sooner. Um, they actually added in the section of Kevin Klein coming up. Did you see right at the end where they're on the plane together? Yeah. And the window and he comes up to the plane. They actually added that in because American audiences liked the Otto character, the Kevin Klein character so much they didn't want to see him die. <laughs> this obnoxious, <laughs> disgusting <laughs> man. And the audio, the American audiences said, we didn't want that guy to die. We want him to live. So they added well, that, that makes in sense, doesn't it? That makes but, sense. Kevin Klein, I've, I mean, he won his uh, he won his Oscar for this. He won Best Actor in a Supporting Role for Fish Called Wanda for a British comedy. Um, you know that doesn't very that doesn't happen very often uh, for an out and out comedy like this. And Kevin Klein, I think, is absolutely brilliant. He absolutely makes this. It's, I I used to have um, I used to have a friend who every time he drove away from me, he used to in the outside the university at Cumbria, where I used to go, they had the gravel car park outside the halls of residence. And he used to wheel spin his tyres and just shout asshole at, out of the car window to me as I drove away. And I didn't click what it was until Fishkill Wonder came on. So um, some stuff sticks with you forever. Um, John Cleese is absolutely brilliant as Archie Leach um, and Jamie Lee Curtis is as, well, as foxy as ever. Um, yeah, no, hope you enjoyed it. Like, it's a good film for me. I'm, I've taken a bit of a twist. I don't think this is a, a bad film at all. I, I love it. And if I'm thinking of a fish course about British films, what better than to serve up a fish called Wanda? So, Tomb Raider. 
Can I just say that before we talk about Tomb Raider, right? So I was sat listening to your first episode uh, with your mate, uh, Cormac, was it? Um, So I was listening to that, and when you were saying that it was about you could take a marine, you know, choice, I thought it it, it would have (laughs) had to have had fish in the name, right? And I was was thinking, do you know what I would have chose, right? I'm guessing a lot of people have seen it, right? And you're going to be like, really, Dan, are you going to choose this one? Finding Nemo 2. That is what you would have had to have sat and watched, Tebs, if, if I'd have thought about it a little bit more harder. I'll be honest with you, I don't think it's a British film. <laughs> oh, right, but... of course it's not. But it's a fish film. It's a fish film. When we do kids' films, which you absolutely hate, oh, which we're going to, again, we're going to touch on. We're going to touch on that in a minute. Tomb Raider, 2018, Alicia Vikander playing Lara Croft. This is a film that has uh, has been adapted from the popular and successful video game series of the same name. Uh, this one more reboots the character into a more of an Origins um, setting, uh, following the new games that have come out on the whatever they are over the last few years, Shadow and Rise of the Tomb Raider, and very much deals with Lara becoming the hero she is, rather than the um, Angelina Jolie films where she was established as this Tomb Raider superhero woman, whatever you want to call her. Um, again, I had a message on Twitter saying that this isn't a British film. You know what? It's our game, so we'll do what we want. It's British. It's British people. It's British money. It's set in Britain, so shut up. Right. Why didn't you like this one, Dan? Right. So I've got a thing with, with action films, right, where... I, I I think often, like, the first half of it can be good, yeah? It'll set up, like, the, you know what I mean? I'm excited for the rest of the film. The first 45 minutes to an hour of this, I was enjoying. I was sat at the cinema watching it. And then what happens is, with some films, I feel like it just goes to dark. It's just, one of my pet peeves in films is, like, long action scenes. And I just feel like she was in the caves for the second half of the film for ages. It was just dragging and I, whenever I go to a cinema, I get a large Costa, which completely make I'm on cloud nine. So I always have a great attitude going in. And then as the coffee begins to wear out through half of the film, I either, I'd say every, one out of every three films that I see at the cinema, I probably walk out of after about an hour because it annoys me. And this was one of them. I feel, Are you sure I thought, that's just not the caffeine wearing off? <laughs> no, honestly, <laughs> some, well, some of them I absolutely love, and this one I'm just thinking, I can't, I was bored, but I can't sit yeah. here for any longer, and I'm thinking, which, just, for me, it summed up how bad the film was, that someone as fit as the actress that played it was still making me want to leave. Well, but, yeah, I've, I rewatched this yesterday, and I saw it for the first time when it first came out. And another thing that I took from this and why I think it's quite apt being in this category of the fish category is because I could not remember a frigging thing about it. It was completely and utterly forgettable. I forgot Walton Goggins was in it as the bad guy. I I just remember Dominic West was in it, but I totally forgot how much he was in it. Um, Alicia Vikander, I remember, as being the standout. She was She's absolutely fantastic. And if you like her work, as you've just alluded to, um, she was in The Man From Uncle, the remake with Henry Cavill and Army Hammer. Yeah, she, she was in The Danish Girl, Ex Machina, Jason yep. Bourne, The Light Between... <laughs> I've got it up. Yeah. No, no, the, I'm just thinking of the two. Man From Uncle is a cracking film, 60s 
60s spy era so kind of stuff I really enjoyed that really underrated film The Danish Girl but that um, Ex Machina that you just mentioned there have, have you seen that? No I've not seen any of these except obviously the Bourne series but I've not actually seen this Bourne film Ex- that she's in uh, you, 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 yeah don't go spending money on it um, but if if you look at Ex Machina in particular she um, plays uh, an AI robot that has been designed by Oscar Isaac's wealthy character um, and Donald Gleeson. Um, so you know Oscar Isaac's from... Have you seen the new Star Wars films? Absolutely not. No, nah, um, Oscar Isaac's whatever. Anyway, Oscar Isaac and Donald Gleeson is, is ginger-haired lad, son of uh, Brendan Gleeson. And it's just them three in this, in this um, house where he's been brought in to look into if his robot can be accepted as human, can it pass these particular tests, these Turing tests, to be recognised as human? And Alicia Vikander absolutely steals the show in that. She's fantastic. And as I was watching Tomb Raider, I thought, okay, you know, after everybody does one fantastic film, they get a chance to make something that's a bit shit. And, yeah, this was really disappointing for me. Um, Even more so that I've just come onto it today and I can't remember anything about it today either, so... Uh, yeah, bit of a shame, but I mean the the one again. Spoiler alert! Again, I, I'm gonna keep saying it, but somebody hopefully will listen and then complain. But I don't mind. The one thing that I remember taking away from this, um, I, I, I messaged you about it. The trailers, uh, trailers for movies uh, walk this very fine line of spoiling certain scenes, certain shots, certain storylines, even though they might not intend to. They they do with that. And I remember for the trailer of uh, this Tomb Raider film that came out in about 2017 that um, one key thing about Lara Croft is she she wields dual pistols, one in each holster on her thighs, and she can pull both of these pistols out and you can use them at the same time. It was one of the first video games to use dual pistols or something like that. And I'm waiting for it in the film because I'm thinking, oh, I've seen that in the trailers. We're going to get that in the film. We're going to get that in the film. It was in the first post-credit scene where the shot of her using two guns was taken from. They use they used a shot from a post credit which is supposed to be a little a little tease for the next film. They use that in the trailer. And that really pissed me off. That made me think, nah, I've had enough uh, I've had enough of trailers and stuff for a while. They they just spoil films when they don't even mean to, so anyway, that's my little rant about Tomb Raider. You got anything else to add? There's not gonna be a second one, is there? <laughs> I'm afraid there is. I'm joking. No, I am not joking. Let's just have a look how far along the line it is. It, it barely made any money, um, but the, it looks like the pressing ahead. Let me just have a look. It's slated in for. Um, let me have a look. It's expected to be released next March. Hopefully, um, the COVID, coronavirus has delayed that. Yeah, I've got. I've got a feeling it will be. To be honest, if it was in the, if it's next March, then it should have still been filming or whatever. So, it's coming, and I don't see why. Quick, quick thing: Do you like? You don't play your video games very often, do you? Yeah, no, but I used to back when obviously Tomb Raider was knocking so th- about. This Tomb Raider film was actually third best rated video game to film adaption uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. So, out of all the video game movies that have ever gone. This was 51%. It was either third or fourth best ever. There must have been some bad ones then. What what, 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 what was number one? Um, Well, I was going to ask you that. Do you know what number one was? Angry Birds 2. Well, (laughs) I'm glad you didn't let me watch that. 
Oh, God, no. Mmm. This is a tasty burger. Our main courses, the films which are best of British, what, what showcases what Britain is really all about, what really gets the nitty-gritty of who the British people are and how we are in different circumstances, different areas. Maybe not, these maybe not been the best films ever made. I think everybody's got their own list, but these are the films which we think really show off what Britain is all about. And again, me and you, I think we've chosen fairly different ends of the spectrum. What what was your pick? <laughs> it's, a, it's a mouthful. What is it? it the, is. Pota- the potato, the, the potato peel. Oh. The, the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, a film that came out last year. Um, set in uh, set in just in the aftermath of World War Two on cha- on Guernsey on the Channel Islands, obviously. Uh, this is a film from Mike Newell, who um, is more familiar with directing Four Weddings and a Funeral and the Harry Potter one with the dragons in him. Can't remember which one. Um, it also stars Matthew Good of uh, Watchmen fame and Lila James, who you might recognise from uh, Mamma Mia Two and a whole host of other sort of Hollywood films coming up. Why why did you like this film? What stood out to you? I just, I, I went to go and see it, right? I was trying to jog my memory back of when I would have gone to see this. So it was 20th of April 2018 is when it was released. So I would have just got back from New Orleans. So I'd probably have been in a pretty fucking good mood, to be honest, right? I remember I remember thinking, what films can I go and see at the cinema? And there was this, literally, it was the only option. Do you know what I mean? I can't think what was out at the time. I'd probably cinema. Um, so I thought, well, that sounds like it's shit. But I thought, I'll go and see it, sod it, it's something to do. I'll go and sit in it. I had no idea what it was about, so I got an extra large coffee for this one. And so watching, I thought, this is pretty good, this. This is really good. And I found myself really wanting... I, I, and you was, you was talking about um, one that sums up the Brit, sums up Britain, sums up the yeah. country. And for me, someone trying to steal someone else's bird pretty much does sum up <laughs> our country. <laughs> so what more fitting tribute could I have than this where I'm pretty sure what is it a Brit tries to steal an American's girlfriend so. <laughs> you know what dad you say it all and I'm there thinking it's, I've, I've got notes here on uh, how important moment in social history this is and he's going to talk <laughs> about how he's going to talk about how the war effort really brought people together and, and the underclasses managed to no it's a guy a guy stealing another guy's bird <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, I think that's fantastic. You know, when you say to somebody, "What's how does this film show Britishness?" It's about a guy going after an American guy's bird. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. I'd 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 heard of this film, but I'd never watched it before. It's not my, I, it's not my thing. I would have. Um, I've I've wrote down here. It's over here. We've got a channel called ITV Three, which I think is the. Uh, it's the care home channel. It's what you put all the nice uh, murder mysteries with Miss Marple and stuff on at two in the afternoon. And um, for me, it's it, it's not a film about war, this because it's obviously happening just after the war. Um, but I mentioned that it's about social history, and my my mum loves all this stuff. She loves this. She, she'll love this film. She, well, she did. And the one thing that she sort of stood out to me, she said, "How is this most like?" The I, I, cause I was I couldn't get it I couldn't figure it out because I've you know she she would grow up in the sixties 
Um, so she's got sort of a fairly common knowledge about coming out of rationing and what the world was like and etc. Um, and she's read up so much about war dramas and, and all this. And she said it was the hiding the pig. Do you remember towards the beginning there were, there was a pig in the, in the barn that they're having to hide from the Germans. Yeah. And it's this group were coming together and she said, if you want to understand how it was like for British people to, to live in those times and the attitude we have now is look at the pig. So the pig has been hidden. So everyone's grouping together to hide it from the dungeon. You had to hide your food. You had to keep it to yourself. And then as they brought it out of the oven, every single one of them would take, were not just having a sniff of the, the meat. They were really savoring that flavor because they knew they may not smell that smell again for a long time. And I think, and she says, when you understand that, when you understand somebody might go, months without smelling roasted meat that's the attitude people have of having to knuckle down and and dig in and really get through tough times even the not having the smell of meat around meant you had to, and, to have that. she was uh she was yeah and she loves like i say she loves the social history piece it's not my bag i'll be honest like i say i'm, I'm using somebody else's notes here um but that really showed me up, and I enjoyed it for that. I enjoyed it for that, and I think it gave a different look at sort of what were happening in the wartime. Channel Islands very rarely get touched on, but yet they were closest to France, uh, the closest to danger, if anything. They'd have been the first stopping point for Germans, which they were coming into Britain. So I think if you're interested in um, wartime history and you're interested in knowing how the British culture was around then, absolutely give it a watch. As I said before... I must really like the, these sort of romance drama films, Tebs, which I never really had myself down as someone who liked them films. But I watched, there was a film about four sisters that I went to go and it might be called Four Sisters, I can't think what it was called. Um, it was out in January at the cinema. It right. had uh, Hermione, <laughs> what's she called? Um, Emma, Emma Watts. Emma Watts, I'd had her out of it. It was about four sisters, um, and that was set like years ago. That was like a romance drama film, and that was great. I can't think what it was called now. Uh, don't know. We'll have a look for that. We'll have a look for that. But that was sort of set. Oh, Little Women. Little Women, that was four it. Four Sisters. Four Sisters, yeah. Little it was women. about Four Sisters. <laughs> That's the Oscar-winning uh, classic novel, Little Women. Um, no, never seen that. Um, but yeah, so maybe, you know, that, that's the thing that's interested me about this, when you put... Um, about doing this podcast, when you put a, a category in front of you and you say, go and have a think about movies that fit these categories. I know they're very general, but, you know, for me, it's like a fish. I had to think of a fish film about Britain. It might, fish called Wonder might not be my most favourite film, but it makes you think, what do I actually like in that category, in that genre? And if, you know, maybe you've, you've looked Finding at Finding Nemo, classic British Finding... film. <laughs> <laughs> The classic British film, Independence Day. <laughs> but no, um, I have chosen, however, um, like I say, a different spectrum of uh, British society. I've chosen the Danny Boyle film, Train Spotting, an absolute classic. I, I, I've never spoke to anybody who didn't appreciate this as uh, the amazing film it is. Um, set in uh, Edinburgh. Um, what we're talking now, mid nineties, early nineties. It's about a group of, um, oh, was it? Oh God, I'm sounding like an absolute tool here. But was it filmed? It was either filmed. Edinburgh. 
It was set in Edinburgh. It was set in yeah, set in Edinburgh. It was mostly filmed in Glasgow. That was it. Yeah, that was the container getting mixed up. Um, set around a group of heroin addicts that were trying to make ends meet, trying to get by. Some are trying to get out, get off the gear. So. And it, we follow the story of Mark Renton, who is our uh, protagonist, if you want to call it. It's somebody who's been heavily addicted to heroin for a long time. And this, for me, I mean, have you ever been to Scotland? Have you ever been to Edinburgh? Have you, have you ever soaked up any of that atmosphere? I went to Hibs versus Preston, 2009, um, pre-season friendly. Um, yeah. Ju- July 2009, just turned 18, slept in a tunnel. Um, we, we, we went, we went, we, me and my mate went, right, we got the train down there. Even G, you know G, yeah, was like, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not going to Edinburgh without a hotel. So he didn't come, even he didn't come. Um, so me and my mate, we go down and um, sat there and we was like, oh, clubs will be open till seven o'clock. It's Edinburgh. They all shut at four. Train station. We couldn't sleep on the train station because that didn't open yeah. till ten with it being a Sunday. So yeah, we slept in a tunnel in Edinburgh. So yeah, that was my <laughs> memories of Edinburgh. Nice I've, place. Uh, Dear for a pint, by the way. Oh god, yeah. I've I've been to Edinburgh plenty with um, a previous company I used to work for. We used to have nights out there, and um, yeah, I've got a few stories. But the in terms of Edinburgh, the reason why I ask if you've been, it is absolute beautiful. Edinburgh, yeah. the bit, and you'll find this with a lot of cities. The bits that the tourists see are fantastic, beautiful, clean bins etc and then there's this other side of the city it's probably just behind all those nice hotels it's just behind waverley train station or over the over the river or whatever it might be and you see a different side of society you see the the other side um and this is what train spotting is this uh, drug and alcohol problems in scotland have always been notoriously high and for a film to shine such a a, a bright light on this the state of this, and then uh, no way did Daddy Boyle ever say these are the uh, these are the people you should look up to, you should aspire to be these people. These are role models, not at all. They actually just broke them down into weak, um, vulnerable people who were come together, who were trying to get by in life, and trying to some were trying to go their own way, some were trying to go the other. But it's an absolute visceral film, just from the, the opening Iggy Pop music. Um, the the one thing I remember as a kid was the the baby on the ceiling. Um, oh. I I remember watching that because this came out in like ninety five, so I probably watched it for the first time mid ninety six. I remember when it was on. I think it might have been on Channel Four one night before school, and everybody in high school were all talking about it the next day. Having been on because everybody managed to, because we were all you know. 13, 14, 15, nobody was allowed to picture to see train spotting. So it was the first time everybody had got to see it and it was the talk. And the baby on the ceiling, everybody was saying, how did the baby manage to crawl on the ceiling? It's like it's freaking hallucinating. But, um, and all the way through to the, to the end, to the end. And again, I'm not going to go into this just right. Everybody knows about this. I once met Daddy Boyle about three, four years ago, um, outside a car park in Manchester. And, uh, I said to him, I wrote part of my uh, part of one of my university papers on uh, on your films, on uh, Train Spotting and Shallow Grave in particular. He goes, "All oh, right, what mark did you get?" I said, a two two. And he goes, "Didn't put that much effort in, then, did you?" <laughs> and he just walks. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, "You cocky monk!" 
bastard, have we? <laughs> All right, just because you've directed the Olympics opening ceremony, whatever, whatever. What do you make of transporting? Did you enjoy it? Is it? Do you, could you? I mean, is it something you'd you'd watch again? Is it your bag? Is it not enough comedy? What What do you think? I absolutely loved it. I would definitely watch it again. I had seen it when I was about seventeen, eighteen, but I think I appreciated it more now. It was just it flew by. Um, yeah. It was only it was only about ninety minutes, weren't it? Hour and a half, something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's not very long film. But the, like you said, I thought the use of music was great. I found myself searching for the songs. The song at the end, um, I can't think what it was. Yeah, I've got it stuck in my head. Um, lager, lager. Born, born, born slippy by Underworld. Yeah, that's it. That song, right? We. This is the most bizarre thing ever, right? But I landed at um, Washington Dullies in uh, America. For right. um, WrestleMania 34 would have been right. Got to the airport and I was buzzing. And I remember walking trying to find a toilet, and it was dead. This airport. I had about a seven-hour stop over there, and as I'm in the toilet, this song came on. Right. Right. <laughs> this song came on, and I was like, I'm sure this is an English song. So I'm pulling my phone out of my pockets, trying to shazam it. <laughs> and I couldn't, I couldn't do it because like, obviously, like, I had no signal or anything. And I'm trying to, like, mem- get the words in my head. And I'm thinking, what song is this? And I'd never even thought about it since. And then as soon as this film finished, I was like, oh, my God, it's that song from what from uh, <laughs> Washington Dullies three years later. So, yeah, but the film itself, some of the scenes are great. I love the scene where they're in the nightclub and they're speaking proper Scottish to each other. Oh, yeah, they yeah. Subtitles up. Yeah. Yeah, and there's all sorts of little nods like that. I mean, some of the stuff that you take... I mean, for me, it's um, the one line I've always taken from it. There's uh, um, Johnny Lee Miller, sick boy, and Renton is stood chatting. Sorry, excuse me. The talk, he's talking to the drug dealer. Renton is about sick boy. And he says, uh, oh, he's a, he's a skag or whatever. He's a heroin addict. And he goes, ah, he knows a lot about Sean Connery, though. That's why it's hardly a substitute. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like this this Scottish mentality of it might be a scumbag, but he knows a lot about Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But look, there are there are two and there are two main courses. They're the ones that we think uh uh if you want to see a little insight into British life, you want to see a window through into what makes up British people, um have a look for the Guernsey literary. <laughs> Stealing birds and taking heroin. Stealing birds and taking heroin. <laughs> sleeping in tunnels. Last one, sorry. Have you seen the Have you seen the trailer for this? No, no. Uh, excuse me, sorry. No, no. Excuse me. Uh, the sequel. Oh no! I, I asked you about it, didn't I? Was it if it yeah. was good? I, I think I'd be um, sad watching it if they're like older. Is it the same characters in it? Same, same. Everyone, yeah. Um, I I watched it in the cinema. Uh, obviously, didn't have the same impact um, as as it as the first did. Um, you know, obviously, I used to work for an unnamed car park company. Yeah. Well, one of my car parks I looked after was in Edinburgh. So I was travelling up to Edinburgh at that time. And I'm sat next to my mate Johnny, and we're watching this. And at one point in the sequel, they're running through a car park. And I leaned over to him, and I, I'm, not, I'm fine saying this one. I said, that's an NCP, the rival company to mine. And he goes, how do you know? I says, there's no locks on the doors, the place is filthy, the painting's not been done. <laughs> and I'm just going into a rant about how badly they kept the car park was for about five minutes in the middle of this film, just because I had nothing better to do. So, um, no, I won't be watching the Transporting sequel again, but I will be watching Transporting probably for the rest of my life.
I kind of want to watch it now just to see, but watch I don't it. want it to ruin the first one. Oh, it won't. It won't. Don't worry about that. Flynn, <laughs> this is amazing. And designing the ice cream to accumulate into scoops, I, I don't know how you're going to top this. Maybe with hot fudge. <laughs> Our desserts, then. The the. The finish of our menus, the final meal that we're going to serve you, the final course that we're going to plate up in front of you for your indulgence. And these are meals that, for us, these are plates that we uh, we enjoy. We we swill them down whenever we can. We enjoy them. We, we have the, a sweet tooth for this taste. Other people may not feel the same way, but for us, this is our uh, curling up on the sofa indulgence. This is something, a film that we always go to that makes us feel good about ourselves. It's our choice and we appreciate it even though other people may not and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, Dan, I am serving you and judging from what you've said about children's films, I'm a bit conscious. Paddington 2. What have you got for me? I have got the Inbetweeners movie. <laughs> Okay, so we've got one uh, U-rated film about a small bear who is enjoys marmalade and needs to clean some windows, and you've got an 18-rated film about four young men who are looking for love in Greece. We are at opposite ends of the spectrum with this one today, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, I thought I'd start off with a comedy, yeah? I'd take you yep. towards a shit film. I'd give you a nice love story with a spoiler alert, happy ending. And then, for dessert, you get to see four lads get their end away in Greece. <laughs> so let's um, let's start with that then. So, in between us. <laughs> I just, Tell me about it. I just, Tell me. I just feel like, right, so when I was like 15, 16, no, it would have been 16, 17, 18, going out. Big night. Preston used to be its biggest night was on a Thursday. So the new episode of The Inbetweeners would be on a Thursday. And um, I don't know, every Thursday we'd watch it before we'd go out, stuff like that. It's just basically four guys. You see, it's just four guys who are just pretty much social rejects at school. And I just think the comedy is comedy that I see. You see in schools, if you when you're in your final year of school, you see things like this. And it's just four lads who are getting ready to sort of go into um, the real world of girls and going out. And it just, I just, I don't know, I just absolutely love it. Um, it is pretty much trash comedy, but I, d- I don't know, I just, I, you, I, everyone that I, that I know loves the Inbetweeners. So I, I was sure you was going to like it. I thought, even though it's trashy. Thought he's yeah. gonna like it. He's gonna like we'll, it, and then you didn't. I was like, oh. "We'll come on. To, we'll come on to me in a minute." So, what? Um, what did you take for it? So, first of all, I can't remember the names of them. But which? Which are you then? If you're gonna look at that, which? Which one of the four are you? None of them. <laughs> really? None of them. I've got G. G. Okay. Which? Real. Which would your friends say is you? Uh, not. I don't know. Not. Not. <laughs> none of them. None of them. G, definitely not J. Flipping heck. Jay is just... Is he the blonde one? Yeah, Jay's the one. England shirt. Thinks he's... Yeah, okay. Bird. He's the one with right. the snorkeling... Um, the snorkels on at the start of the film with a ham. Right, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. I'd, I I was watching it and I think I'd be the... I'd, I don't think there's any argument. I'm the, I'm the nerdy one. 
I'm the, the one, one who's comes thinking, to... why have I been brought here? I'm thinking, why have I been brought here? I'm thinking, yeah, I got to the towels bit, and my anxiety was going through the roof. I'm watching him think, you can't move their towels. They've put their towels on the sun lounger. Why would you throw them in? And I would be horrified by it. If I was on the holiday, I'd have to walk away from a group who threw somebody else's towels in a pool. I just couldn't. My anxiety was through the roof. Maybe that's why I didn't enjoy it too much. But... I'd do the same thing, to be honest. What, throw them in the pool? No, I mean, <laughs> I'd be like wanting to walk away. Unless they were German. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um... <laughs> Actually, quick story about that. Drum when Germany beat England five, England beat Germany five one. Michael yeah. Owen hat trick, right? Yeah. As a kid, I had a towel, right? It was an England flag on it, and in big black letters, it had written five one five one five one five one five one. And we went on holiday to Fuerteventura. Would have been two thousand and five, two thousand six. So they had a good five years to get over this. And yeah. we put our towels down, yeah? Came back at about, I don't know, went for dinner or something, came back, and that towel was in the pool. Ooh. And ever since then, I've just <laughs> never felt the same about the Germans. Oh, uh, yeah, that's what made you not feel the same about them. There's no other history there <laughs> in German <laughs> yeah. England football other than throwing a towel in a pool. Um, so, look, I... Um, bit of background. I have watched... Probably about three minutes of an in-betweeners episode. Um, I put it on for um, the the teacher, Mr. Gilbert. What's his... Uh, I'm terrible with names. God, I'm shy. What's his name? Greg. Greg Davis. The teacher. You know the teacher? Yeah, yeah, the one who's like in the nightclub going mental when he's uh, stood in front of them all going, yes. I Greg. truly don't like any one of you bastards. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, he's Greg Davis. Um, he's been in this. He's uh, done a lot of TV. Do you like him as a as an actor? Do you like his stuff? Yeah, I thought he like was, I enjoy him in the Inbetweeners. I don't really know right. what else he's been right. in. Right. Okay. Watch. There's a TV series called Man Down. Um, it is about him as a teacher. I don't think it's it's set in the Inbetweeners world, but him him as a teacher and he's it's as he is now. Age he is now. Uh, still lives at home with his parents. And it is absolutely hilarious. It is absolutely man down. It's this Channel 4 TV show. Get a watch of that if you like Greg Davis. Absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, so I've watched about three minutes of that because I was wanting to watch it for Greg Davis because I liked him. I've been watching it on, uh, been watching a few other like Taskmaster and things and I, I like him. So, and I put it on and I just thought it was vile, crude, vile, dirty language. And I've, I've, I've got a bit of a potty mouth, I'll be honest. I can swear with the best of them. But this was just talking about, I don't even want to say it, but as soon as you, as soon as they come on and you've got these four lads basically talking about minge and snaps, <laughs> birds that are disgust, oh, it makes my skin crawl. And I'm just, and it's not playing the feminist card here. It's none of that. It's just this, them words to me are like, you know, when somebody says what words really get, it's like, they're dirty, insulting words, but anyway. Um, I give the film a go, and I think when you look at the type of comedy I've put forward to you for Life of Brian, um, Fish Called Wonder, this is the, for me, it's another another category of British comedy, this. And I said to you, it's very similar to um, uh, American Pie. This was This is probably the British American Pie for four lads wanting to go and have a rite of passage and get their end away, basically. And I never got that either. 
maybe that's just passed me by. Maybe that was something that time. Ah, of... I watched the second one of that. I was at um, right. a girl's house about two weeks ago. I know I shouldn't have been because it's lockdown or whatever, but... Um, <laughs> and I was like, what can I'm we sure, watch? I'm, I was like, oh. I'm sure whatever you went there for was essential. And, uh, and, <laughs> no, no. And uh, we were watching that, and I'm sat there watching it, and there's the scene where they, they find the lesbians dildo, and I just thought, this is great TV. <laughs> <laughs> and it is, look, that type of comedy, there is a place for it, absolutely. The in-betweeners. The thing, the thing with the in-betweeners is, you've got, who's the big the big tall ones? Neil. 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 Right. You've got him having a piss. They're all pissed up. He's having a slash against the wall. Two of them are chatting and one's throwing up. And they're the bantering away to him. And he turns around. And now, the funny response would be, I can't even have a piss without in peace, or something like that. But he has to say, I can't even have a piss out of the end of my cock. And it's like, we know that's where your piss comes from. Why are you just saying swear words and body parts? He's thick. His whole thing is that he's... I spoke to Neil about this, right? And yeah. I said, I can't believe Ted's done like the in-betweeners. He's the first person that done. And Neil said to me that he thinks that you'd need to watch the series to get half of the stuff in the film. Right. Okay. So I'm not saying go and watch all four seasons. No, but... I won't be watching all four seasons. <laughs> I purposefully avoid the TV when it's on TV. No. It's, look, for me, and again, the, I said to you about the the lad culture, you know, and I know this is for lads trying to be popular and they're not going to be. That's where the humour comes from. I get that. There's nothing that irritates me more than four lads trying to be cool, saying swear words and wanting to bang chicks. Oh, it just makes my skin cry. It's just, it was one of those groups I was, I was the nerd at school. I was, I was never invited on the holidays and stuff. So maybe all this. You hated New York with G and Neil. (laughs) No, I loved New York. Absolutely loved it. If you'd have said to us, every single night we're going to be in a dark, noisy, smoke-filled bar in a busy street and we're all going to get so twatted we'll feel shit tomorrow, then I'd be saying, nah, I hate New York. But it wasn't. That was something completely different. But it's that, I said to you as well, I've been on a holiday to New York before and this was filmed in, this was absolutely filmed in Magluff. Yeah. Um, And... I would probably be the guy who's in a bar at the top of Heart Attack Hill looking out on everybody having fun and then I'll go to bed about 12. I've never been one for the, for the, the shots and the drinks and the lads and the t-shirts and oh, I've never been one for all that. So maybe this just isn't, isn't my bad cause of that. It's maybe I'm just an old shit. I don't know. Tebs, did you pick up the bit about Preston? Uh, I, didn't, no, I didn't want to mention it because I thought, will he pick it up? Well, there's right. one thing I picked up on. I don't think it were about Preston, but go on. What have you got? Right, so they're on the bus, yeah? And there's yep, got these it. ads from Burnley. Yeah, that's and it. The funny is they're clearly not from Burnley. They're like Londoners putting on Burnley. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Burnley. And then as the bus is going over the hill, I never get it. Me and G were sat in the cinema watching it. And all you could hear was, can you hear the Preston sing? No. And literally watching it in a packed cinema in Preston, you could just hear all the lads that had gone to go and watch that film going, they took it fucking piss. <laughs> Gee, obviously the first. I can't believe that. <laughs> Gee um, is a lad who want, who's asking everybody from uh, 
the Dalai Lama to Donald Trump to retweet his Preston flag video from Christmas Day. So if you if you see a lad with a Preston flag opening a Preston flag as a gift from his mum, give his video a retweet, please. Ninety thousand views now. Yeah, not a single fucking retweet. <laughs> No, the thing that I picked up on is I heard the Burnley singing on the bus, um, and do you know the guy at the at the holiday, the hotel when they get off the bus. Yeah, you know, there's like a, a crazy other guest there. Uh, and it'll he, be forty he, euros. Yeah, he had a Blackburn Rovers tattoo. Oh, I know, I know, it pissed me off. <laughs> but that's the thing. Imagine the Burnley fans having to get off at the, get off of the hotel with him. That's the film I want to see. <laughs> yeah. But. Um, so Paddington two. Let's let's go from uh, <laughs> let's go from shits in a B day and trying to drown toddlers to uh, to a film about an immigrant who just wants to come over and earn his own earn his own way. Um, Drowning toddlers. Do you not remember the way GA was in the in the pool area and the little kid? Oh right, yeah. he was about seven. He was good to go. Oh right, <laughs> 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 him into fucking sea for all that, yeah. <laughs> Um, no, the Paddington 2, so look, it is, for me, I, I didn't, didn't buy into it at first. I look at that, I'm like, Paddington, kids film, nah, not interested. And I watched it, and I've never laughed so hard at a film that wasn't intended for me. Um, it, it, it was, it's innocent, it's funny, it's, me and my, me and my housemate Johnny, we were talking the other day, and we were looking for a film to watch. And we just wanted something that wasn't um, swearing and explosions and death and shooting and death and killing and death. And you just wanted something that was just more innocent. And I saw Paddington and I thought it was hilarious. And then I put Paddington 2 on straight after. Even better. It's one of the few films where the, the film gets better in its sequel. Hugh Grant in this um, should have been nominated for an Oscar. In my opinion, and I'm, I will die on that hill. Um, but in terms of uh, Brendan Gleeson as well in the prison scenes, I think there are abs- there's probably four absolutely classic gags in that prison sequence. Um, what I, I could talk all day, and I'm going to ignore you, so sorry, mate. But go on. What what do you think then? Kids films out your bag. You put this on your own. What's your impression? Well, I'm going to be honest. I didn't like it. Right. Right. Okay. I. I, I think it could have been the timing. I watched it on Saturday. Amelia, little girl, had been here since what Friday dinner time. So I had constantly right. TV. We had Ladybug on, lo- loads of crap basically. And I thought, what should I watch? I thought, oh, I'm watching Tebs, some of these films for Tebs. And I thought, oh, the only one that I could watch due to like, I think on that TV, I can only my Fire Stick didn't work upstairs. So you right. said Paddington was on iPlayer. So I, was it iPlayer? I can't yeah. think when I watched it. I thought, oh, I'll have to watch that one. And I'm watching a kids' film thinking, it's a Saturday night. Uh, yeah. It's a Saturday night. I can't go out anywhere. There's no football on. And I'm watching Paddington 2. So I thought, anyway, I'll go over it, whatever. So I'm watching it. And then I'm thinking, I can't stand marmalade. And then <laughs> he starts window cleaning. And it's my day, yeah. day off. And I was like, oh, window cleaning, <laughs> window cleaning, kids. Marmalade, Saturday night, what's going on? What's going on? It's a bit of a busman's holiday. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. <laughs> and then I was just like, oh. But, I, but then I tried to picture it of, would my little girl watch this film and enjoy it? Yeah. 
So say like with other other ones with like like the animation creatures coming to life, Lion King, Jungle Book, she'll love that. And I thought I can't imagine her liking this film. Um, so I messaged her little girl's mum. I said, "Is Amelia in Paddington?" She was like, "Yeah, yeah, she's watched it." I was like, "All oh, right." I was like, "I can." Did she did she like it? And she was like, "No." Nah. I asked her if she ever wants because this little girl watches films like hundred times. And she's like, no, whenever I ask her if she wants to put it back on, she she never wants it back on. And I thought, oh. But um, I, I do agree with you, I thought. Although, like you say, this for me was another one of the films that I, hate, I didn't like. But it did have that film where, uh, the, the scene where his family go and visit him in jail. And he's like, oh, oh yeah. I've got some new friends. <laughs> 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 and all these angry, angry prisoners. Heads yeah, did like. yeah. The the just the absolute and again I'm gonna spoil this for please everybody go watch it anyway, but where um Hugh Bonneville, um absolutely absolutely love Hugh Bonneville in this. He is he plays uh, he plays the father, Mr. Brown, fantastic. And he sort of switches the, the switch because he thinks he's in the old American um prison visiting rooms. So he flicks the switch to turn the, the microphone off to all this group of Various, uh, delinquents and, and, and prisoners all, all around Paddington in the, in the over the desk. And he's saying, look at them, look at them. They're absolutely the monsters, the knuckle draggers. And he says, we can still hear you. You only turned off the lights. <laughs> and it's just an absolute classic gag. I can just watch that over and over again. Brendan Gleeson in this, he plays Knuckles McGinty. Um, I was howling with laughter seeing him and Paddington make marmalade together. This, but it's just, this for me is, uh, I keep using that word, but it, it's innocent. It's safe fun. It's a big, uh, improvement on the first one, which is difficult to say, but it is. Um, Hugh Grant as the villain in this, um, is streets ahead of Nicole Kidman from the first. And that shouldn't stop you watching the first because the first is brilliant. But for me, Hugh Grant just brings another level of comedy and charisma to this role. A much better story. Great, great um, railway tra- chase at the end. The CGI in this for a British funded film or partially funded film um, of Paddington Bear, which isn't the biggest uh, household name in America. So to spend sort of money on the CGI that you have done for this, it, it looks fantastic. There are so many other films I've seen recently where you scrimp on the CGI. Uh, Sonic was one in particular where that, that looked great for what it was. And it has to be when your, your main character is fully computer generated. Um, but it looks gorgeous. One, one thing from this is, and this is actually a bit of a, um, shows you how much of a geek I am. I worked for a company in, uh, down in North London last summer. Um, summer before last, excuse me. And I found out that the street that uh, Paddington lives on was about a five-minute walk from my apartment in London. So one evening when I was sat there feeling a bit bored, a bit lonely, and I'm working in London on my own, I went and walked down the street, and I'm just there thinking, there's the phone box, there's the thing. And I'm just, I'm an absolute nerd, I know, but I, I just wanted to live in that area. I think it's such a, a fantastic film. Watch it with your kids, watch it on your own, take it for what it is. Um I mentioned earlier about Rotten Tomatoes and uh, Tomb Raider got 51% on Rotten Tomatoes. So do you know about Rotten Tomatoes? Do you know what it does? Do you know how the... Well, how... I'll be honest, the, out the two, it's the one that I don't really pay much attention to because sometimes I'll feel like, oh, that was a great film. Yeah. And I'll see it as like really low percentage, whereas I think IMBD usually has a more of an accurate... Yeah, 
IMDB is anybody can vote on it, but you get a lot of people voting in a particular way just because they like that film, and then you might get other people voting for it. So sometimes the results might be a bit skew if, but um, CinemaScore is when they um, research and they poll people coming out of the screens on the first weekend. So they'll say, what was your initial reaction? Did you enjoy that? Would you tell your friends? And a film that's got anywhere up, probably from a B B minus upwards is worth a watch because audiences say, yes, I sh- you should go see it. Rotten Tomatoes is your critics. So they're the ones who believe, um, they're the ones who are making, the films are being made for as opposed to an audience, but some will have you discuss all the way. Um, but Rotten Tomatoes, it takes a wide poll of different critics. So you've got the New York Times, the Washington Post, you've got Empire Film Magazine, Total Film, Lots of others as well, Mark Kermode, all these people like this. And they put all the reviews together and then they use an algorithm to say, this is how many percentage of positive reviews there were. Or out of these reviews, 51% of them were positive or had positive things in them. So it gives you an idea of how good the film is in the eyes of the critics. Um, Some films we've reviewed have got 10%, 5%, 10%, 5%, which is dreadful. Tomb Raider got 51%. So like like me and you said, that's a fairly good score, to be honest. It's fairly accurate. We've both said, look, it's not a very good film, but it was well made, but it's not worth the watching. It's entirely forgettable. 50%. Paddington 2, 100% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Every critic who watched it and reviewed that film found everything positive with it. And I think that just goes somewhere to say... I'm right. <laughs> no, <laughs> it goes somewhere to say that it is a it is a very well made film. I could do an entire episode on this, but please go and watch Paddington Two. It's on the BBC iPlayer if you're watching in this country. If you're not in this country, go and rent it from somewhere. Give it a watch. If you like your your comedy a bit more, a bit more sput, smutty, a bit more lads, a bit more near the knuckle, and if you like films with shits and bidets, go and watch the In Betweeners. Um, <laughs> They are our, I've, I've just chatted for ages there, they're our desserts, thank you. Check please. So there are our uh, courses that we have laid before you for your, uh, for your consumption. I have served you up um, a beautiful British feast of the life of Brian, followed by a fish called Wanda. With a main course roast of train spotting, with a nice uh, serving of Paddington Two afterwards, and Dan, you brought to us uh, a menu that consisted of Mike Bassett, England manager, uh, with uh, a rather off-smelling Tomb Raider, followed by a nice pie, a potato peel pie that is all the way from Guernsey, the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, um, and followed up with. The in between is a a Greek, <laughs> a Greek, rather delicate film um, with more uh, skinny dipping and sunburnt cocks on backs that you can shake a stick at. Um, good menu, mate. I like that. That's uh, that's very nice. It's, I think it really shows off that there's more British films out there than you know, Chariots of Fire and Clockwork Orange. It really shows what uh, what wide ranging films we do have. Did you enjoy that? Did you enjoy watching them? Yeah, I did. I did. I, I will definitely do it again if you'll have me back. Of course I will. Of course I will. We'll have to. Uh, we'll have to think. I think with our um, Twitter users picking this one, 
I think next time we'll, uh, we'll you can just you can pick one for me to put put oh, some films together. In between us two, it is then. Oh fuck me! Right, okay, so that's Dan's uh, time on the podcast done forever. Thank you very much, everybody. <laughs> no, I've got to say, out of all your films, I give a chef's kiss to one of my guests' uh, dishes. Um, you know what? I'm going to say the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society out of your dishes. Uh, you know what? It wasn't a bad film. It was, it was, you know, it was fun to watch. It, it shone a light on um, Britain and parts of our country in a time which has obviously affected people for many years. Um, I enjoyed it, even though it was a film. <laughs> this is going to go on the poster. Dan from Neutral Wrestling 2020. It's a film about a guy taking another guy's bird. So <laughs> with that, thank you very much, Dan. Thanks for coming. No worries. Um, you can always catch Dan. What, uh, do you want to give the details out for you for Neutral Wrestling? Yeah, it's, uh, if you just uh, at Neutral Res on Twitter. And if you if you have a look, on, you can find on YouTube. Have a look for Neutral Wrestling on um, like Stan says on Twitter, and you can find it on any of your podcasts. We did one for the review of the wrestling um, Money in the Bank pay-per-view that has just been on this weekend. So if you want to hear his uh, chat shit about that for a while, download that, give him subscribe and give him some reviews. So Danny and Dan who run that are absolutely fantastic. Please give him the time of day. Go and have a listen to that. So it's uh, thank you very much, everybody. Goodbye from Dan. Yep. See you later, everyone. And we'll see you later. Thank you very much, everybody.